0: Uh, good morning to the people that are joining us online. It's really great to have you here. Good morning to everybody here. Guys, go ahead and hit the, uh, the clock and all that. Uh, I want to tell you right now, seat seatbelts. It's going to be a very interesting ride today, okay? Two weeks ago, I went out on Monday morning, and I asked the Lord, you know, as I always do, what am I supposed to do? And he led me to go ahead and look at the next section in Luke. Understand, every week, I don't know if we're going to be in Luke or not. Because I go out and I say, what do you want to tell me? And if he says something in Luke, I do Luke. And if he says something not in Luke, I don't do Luke. Okay? Um, there's somebody, I, I sent it, I got to say this really interestingly. There's a f- slide that I have in the deck from somebody who didn't give me the approval to use it yet. It's at the very end of the sermon. But you'll know who you are. It was about, and I, if you're okay with me using the slide that I want to use, you've got to nod at me at some point knowingly. Because you sent me an email about something, and so, okay, I need to get your permission. I want to, I need, you guys all need to know, I do this on, I'm very careful about this. I don't share stuff that you've shared with me unless I have your permission. So if I have your permission, you need to just like blink three times or something, okay? (laughs) Because I see you here, and I, okay, all right, all right. I sent you an email this morning to try and get permission when I realized I could use it. Okay, but anyway, what I want to say back to the actual sermon what I want to say is, is I went out and I, and I looked for uh, this, this, um, th- what the sermon was supposed to be, and the Lord sent me to the next passage in Luke, the second half of Luke, and what I'll do when, I, when that happens, I'll read not just the passage I think it might, be, but I'll read quite a ways in. You know, I'll look at what came before, I'll read quite a ways in. I'm trying to understand, you know, all the things about it, and, I, and, and all of a sudden, as I started looking ahead, I went, first of all, I don't want to do this. Because, like I said last week, Jesus said one of the hardest things he'd ever said to his disciples. I think it's probably the hardest thing he ever said to his disciples last week. Literally said to them, if you are not the kind of servant that is doing what I'm leading to, such that you're ready when I return. If you're not that kind of servant, then you're going to be cut to pieces and cast away with the unfaithful. That's harsh. <laughs> I don't care who you are. You know that whole thing in the culture right now about tolerant Jesus, loving everybody for whatever they do and wherever they are, you know, we're a passage that puts that to death. Okay? Jesus loves, but it is not just anybody for anything, anyway. Okay? So it's hard. Well, so so now watch. So I said that, and then there's a second one. It's one passage, and there's a second part of it that comes now to the whole group. And I was kind of looking at it, and I was going, this is harsh, but I feel like you're telling me to do it, so I'm not going to shy from it. I'll go. But, you know, there you go. And I was thinking about having these two really hard sermons in a row, difficult stuff, and hope to find God in them, and so on. But anyway, so the point is, that's on Monday. On Tuesday, I'm sitting in staff, and I've prayed again the second time, and it's the Lord. And on Tuesday, I just never put two and two together, because on Tuesday, I'm sitting in staff, and, and... Um, like Donald Trump, I need to get on top of my language. Uh, Because I was in staff, and we started talking about Valentine's Day, and all of a sudden, I realized that this really harsh passage was going to happen on Valentine's Day. And I literally, in staff, sorry, but I went, oh, crap. And they had no idea, what are you talking about? And I went, I got this. I got, like, the least Valentine's Day passage in the history of past that you could ever find. And I literally said to the staff, they'll tell you, this is true. I said, maybe I won't do that this next week. But as soon as I heard it in my heart, I felt the Lord saying, no, do it. And find the love. Find me. Find me in it. And so I went, okay. Okay. And when you know it, (laughs) when you know it, if you don't know it, that's why we're talking today. Come to know that when you start in the right place, God is love. And then you take whatever happens. we're We're talking about interpreting a scripture right now today, but we're not talking about a scripture, are we? We're talking about life. How many sharp edges, rough patches, tough moments does life have in it? Fortunately, not a huge number. Fortunately, there's a lot of joy and a lot of happiness and a lot of happy-go-lucky and surfacy and so on. But you do know that, you know, every once in a while, two brothers die in this course of, you know, eight months. Or you lose a job that you had no idea was going to happen. Or you sit in front of a doctor telling you something that makes you go completely disconnected from yourself because you're going, what are you talking about? This cannot happen to me. Or you watch your finances for reasons beyond your control implode. Or you watch a relationship that means everything to you explode, right? I mean, life has sharp edges sometimes. And we have to find, we have to find God. and You know, I'm just going to get a little real with you. If there's, an, if there's a person that doesn't know Christ and they know the brain and all that kind of stuff, they're going to say something like, the brain is wired to find meaning, and so we can always find meaning in anything. But the problem is it's a little bit like a fortune cookie. You know what I mean? I mean, it's a very generalized thing, and you can make it up as to how it fits. Here's the difference between what I'm saying right now and that. What I'm talking about right now is when it's so specific God is doing, and it's so particular, and it's so finely tuned in important ways and in tangible ways to you, to how, what he's doing and how he's doing it, that it isn't a generalized thing that you're applying. It's a miracle. It's a God who's got you on a journey and who, in love, is walking you through a sharp-edged moment. So that not only do you not die from it, but you find glory in it. Have you ever noticed, I'm going to really date myself right now because this doesn't really happen anymore so much, but back when I was growing up, there was pretty much rock and roll and then there was Captain and Tennille, okay, (laughs) right? There might have been some Motown in there too, but you know, but really there was kind of this pablum, what we called pop, and it was saccharine, you know what saccharine means? It just means sugary, it means like. It's so sweet, it's like yuck, and there'd be all these kids, you know, love, love, we'll keep it together. You know, you're like, it was a song, you know, but like, you know, you felt embarrassed if you liked it, you kind of thing. You know what I mean? But then there were these bands like, you know, Led Zeppelin, or Rolling Stones, or, you know, people, you look at the Rolling Stones, and the first thing you have to say when you look at them is, how are you people still alive? <laughs> right? I mean, this is a miracle. Just look at you. You know, you look literally like you've been put together with wires, and you're being held together. You know what I mean? Right? I mean, that, there's rough edges right there, and yet they they come out with a song, Angie, which is one of the most beautiful love songs ever written. It's like the people that have that have a that know rough and sharp. When they find love, it's richer and deeper. It's not surfacy. It's the kind of thing that can survive the death of brothers and the pronouncement from a doctor. Right? We need this. (laughs) This is life in its real way. And even more than that, it's not just life in its real way. Here's what I think God's going to tell us today. If you will trust first and foremost that I really am love, I feel like this is what the Lord's saying. If you'll trust first and foremost that I really am love, and you'll look for how that's true in absolutely every situation, no matter how rough the edge is, no matter how sharp it is, then you will find the deeper love that I am. A deeper, richer, fuller, more glorious, more incredible love. The kind of love that will get you through anything see where we're going. That's what we're going to do today in a really cool way. We got a really cool person praying for us, Tamberly. Lee is the is the you know, the word says that Jesus is the word incarnate. The word is Jesus or in the ink, Nate, as I always say. You are the expression of somebody who just is pursuing God at every moment, no matter what it is in every way. You have served so many different places in this church. You've made such a difference in so many people's lives on such an important morning with such an important topic. I can't imagine a better person to pray for. So now that I've embarrassed you appropriately, (laughs) lift up the sermon, lift up another church. Would you please? Mm. Father, I, I
1: pray with all the saints that we can grasp how high and how deep and how wide your love is Amen. and whether we come here single or married in love or out of love by ourselves or with people that your love will permeate us to the deepest core today Amen. and that this won't be a day voided it'll be a day where your love just overwhelmed us. God, give Kurt the words to speak this truth that love isn't just a feeling, it's got teeth. Amen. And it doesn't let go. God, I lift up New Heights Baptist in Vancouver um, that you will give Matt the words to speak today to all those people and that they will too will know love in a new and a fresh way. Amen. God, you are magnificent. Amen. And what you've done for us is mind-blowing. May we see that, and may we feel and run to your arms. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen.
0: With that intro, can you see where I said where Kevin found that pocket right there? And he had two more songs to do. And I interrupted worship the other day, so I was careful about that. But, but Kevin had two more songs to do, but he found a pocket where he thought was the Lord and he rested in it. He didn't know what the sermon was. He didn't have any idea. But the bottom line is is God knew what the sermon was and God wanted us to rest in this pocket of love and to start challenging ourselves to understand, do you really know my love? Do you really know it? Do you really know <laughs> that at the most difficult moments? And by the way, I want to say there was a, one of my favorite people around here that came up with a, with a word that she just hadn't ever spoken before on a mic so she wanted to get it cleared by somebody and nobody got to her. And it's too bad because the word was absolutely spectacular and perfect in the moment too. So the fact is, the Lord's trying to speak this. We're here today to hear this. God, get it done. So, if we're going to do this, I want you to think about something. The, the word hermeneutic is really simple. Here's what it means, interpretation. It means you're reading a passage of Scripture, how you supposed to understand it, right? How do you interpret it? When, when God's going to say some of the harsh things He's going to say today, is it like bony finger in your face? I can't wait till I set this fire, right? You know what I mean? I didn't come to read peace. Right? Is that the spirit? Is that the interpretation? Or is there something else going on in it? Right? So hermeneutics is just the principles of interpretation. And there are several and yet not, really. They all kind of boil to, in my mind, kind of two. And and I didn't put them up there all the way, but the first one is God is love. That's got to be the foundation of everything you do. The Bible says it. We have to know it. Okay? You have to know these love. Now, I have to say, right next to that one, what should be up there is? in parentheses, because we're focusing on the love today, but he's all-powerful. You can come up with a God that loves, but he can't really help you. So you need to know that there's a God who is love and all-powerful, but that sort of slots into the second principle that we're going to be using today, and that is, in him, one thing flows into another for a purpose. Or, as the song said, all things work together for good. See it? Now, how can that happen? It can only happen if God's in control, meaning all-powerful. And it only happens for your good if he's love. Right? So there you go. That song, where we are, where God has us today. So two two principles. God is love, and in him one thing flows into another for a purpose. Okay, there you go. There's the hermeneutic. Now, I'm going to read to you the primary section that we're working on today. And what I want you to do is... I'm going to read it, listen to it, and look at it, but here when I get done reading it. Whether with yourself or whether with somebody, we're going to take about three or four minutes, and I want you to use those two principles right there. God is love, and one thing is flowing into another for a purpose. I want you to use those two principles, and I want you to work on this passage and come up with a reason why these particular words are actually revealing God's love when they so easily could be revealing something totally different than that. Watch. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. Happy Valentine's Day. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I'm under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. Do you think I've come to bring peace on earth? Because I can tell you that cultural Jesus that's all tolerant, that's what people think. Okay? But here's what he says about that. No, I have come to divide people against each other. Wait a minute, love brings people together. You know, it, whatever. If you like it, doesn't hurt anybody. What's the problem? And da da da. And, you know, all this kind of stuff. I've come to divide. From now on, families will be sp- families will be split apart. That's not nice. How's that love? What do you mean you're going to split apart families? That's bad. Families going to be split apart. Three in favor of me, two against. Or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father. Mother against daughter. Daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Well, that might be a little. Uh, daughter-in-law against mother. Just a joke, a cheap shot, okay? I love my mother-in-law. I'm lucky on that one, too. Fortunate and blessed, okay? But you see, you see that? Okay, now I really want you to do this. Okay, we're not going to have any music. We're not going to do anything. You can turn to the person you came with you could group up with three or four people if you want to, or you can just sit there yourself and read these. I want you to think about this for a second. Here's what I'm trying to do. Watch this. I had a revelation when I was looking for love in this passage. I'm going to show you what that revelation was. When I show you what the revelation is, and I just show it to you, I spoon feed it, then it makes a difference, right? He goes, wow, that's really cool. I don't want that. I'm done with really cool. That should have been obvious a long time ago. Uh, What I'm going for is is that you would experience revelation. That you would experience God telling you how to, in this passage, meaning how to find love in your life, His love, Him. Okay? So I want you to experience this with me. So that's why we're doing this, and we're not going to take too long on it, but take a minute right now, just kind of like I say, just talk to somebody. If, you know, if you're introverted, by all means, just close your eyes and think, okay? you know, Please don't pull out your phone doing emails, but other than that, you're good. Well, text is bad too. But, okay, talk to one another, okay, or, or yourself. But I just want you to think about, because in two seconds I'm going to ask you, what's love in that? How do you find love in that? And we're just going to do a couple people because, like I say, we got a sermon. But okay, so just do this amongst yourselves, okay. to give you about another minute. I realize that's quick, but okay. Okay, I think we have we have a little flow going here, all right? So um, raise your hands if you want to just, we're going to do th- two or three of these, okay? So not very many, but raise your hand if you have something you think, you know, you'd like to share, you know, or let me, you know, just raise your hand and share, okay? Whether you'd like to or not, okay? <laughs> all right, stand up. Okay, I
3: think this is one of those things where um, it's talking about the present time in the New Testament, right then, and also is talking about end times, things that will happen. And um, I see Jesus is saying that he's going to set the world on fire right then, when after his um, death, uh, because everyone's going to have to make a decision then. And then also is going to there's That's at good. the end times, the world is the worldly things are going to be destroyed. Yeah. Um, definitely, it's
0: referring to all of those things, definitely.
3: And so I see him saying, um, th- the peace that's on earth I- is no longer going to happen because people are going to have to make a choice. They're going to have to make, choose him or not him. And Just like uh, the Muslim families, when somebody comes to Christ, the families are separated. Yeah. And this yeah. is what's going to happen all over in all the yeah. families. You might be in a family that's, that's, that's happening. And, um, and it's, it's, he's just, the, it's the wheat and the shaft or whatever and the fire. Yeah, yeah. He's just separating us. And Thank he's separating you. us so that we could the, the ones that are supposed to be with him will be with him. Forever.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I saw, it. Rich, do you have your hands up? I see a lot of hands going up. We'll get to Greg, too. Is there somebody? Where's the other mic? Where are, you? are you with somebody right here? Uh, go ahead, right there. Yes, stand up. Here's give your, give your name. You're Becca somewhat Joe. new here.
4: <laughs> My name is Becca Joe, And um, I think that this comes back to a proper understanding of eternity. That um, we look around and we see that this is life. And God says, this isn't your life. Yeah. This is very. And, and he came so that we could live abundantly. Amen. And and his love says I want I want what is best for you, not what is most comfortable. Beautiful for you. Beautiful. I want what is best for you and Beautiful. what is best for you. Be with me for all of eternity. Beautiful. Beautiful. Rich.
5: Thanks. Okay. Um c- this ties in with um, what we were, what I heard on the radio when I was up, there's a new movie out called He's Risen, it, called Risen. All the other movies about Christ, they go with the crucifixion and they end with him being risen. You know, he dies and he comes back. That's where this new movie starts. Huh. And as I was thinking about it, what it's showing you, it's really the impact. Of Jesus' life and the impact of His love that He has on us. It's great. And um, one, one of the there's there's so much more that goes on, but it talks about when Peter got up and stood on the day of Pentecost. They had the tongues as of cloven fire, and He said, "The promise is unto you, and unto your children, yeah. and unto." all those who are far off, even yeah. as many as the Lord your God shall call. Yeah, And what God's doing is, his expression of love is that there was no way anybody could reach God. Okay? They tried for 2,000 years. Jesus is the first one. His sacrifice did it. God received the offering. He set us free. It was the, it was exhibited by the Curtain in the temple, renting, ripping apart, the earthquake. And then you see how Christianity came and swept the world. And it's basically because he set us free. We have a choice. Good, Rich. We have a choice, and that's what's going on. And that choice is what is the division up there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. Let's do one more. There's lots of hands that went up. Let's do one more. Let's go all the way over there. Oh, where are it's you? It's actually Greg. Okay, Greg, Greg sorry. I, I
5: know there's lots more. There's going to be more opportunity. Go ahead. I, this is a starting point, point. Um, and I have seen division. I, when I, I remember when I first got saved and give testimony to people, there's a dividing line. I mean, it's like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, you've done what? And if I will continue to show the love of God and continue that's a starting point for them. They'll come back to me. People will come back to me and say, I remember when you said this to me and when I came to Christ, yeah. I realized that was a starting point. Yeah. So it's, I don't see this necessarily as a, as a negative. I see it as a positive because it's a starting point for people. Why is he doing that? Why are, why are you doing this? Why are you yeah. giving your life over to some cause that seems ancient to me?
2: Good.
5: And God will bring understanding to that person yeah. eventually. And I'll come to Christ.
0: Okay, so like I say, there's more. Hold on to this for a second. Now watch. I'm just going to show you my process, okay? And this is detailed. I had more time, all right? Now, first of all, always remember, soap is a great way to encounter Scripture. You you find your passage, you read your passage, and you're looking. You're going to be up and down the whole time, Andrew, okay? So uh, Scripture, which is reading the passage, and then observation, real simple, looking for the speed bumps. When you hit a speed bump, why? Please remember, the Bible is the only book where the author comes with every copy. So when you're reading it, you can ask the author who's sitting right there with you, "What's that mean? Right? I don't understand this. Why did you say this this way? You said something hard. You tell me that you're love. Tell me how this is love, because I don't see it. I hear fire. I hear division. That doesn't like love. How's this love? Right? Okay. And then once you do that, once you do that, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and you interchange with the Lord like that, what will happen is there'll come a revelation. You go, oh my gosh, now I get it. And then the application turns out to be really easy. But what you're asking is, how does this apply life? How do I make this now that God has shown me something for a reason? What's it, what am I supposed to do with it? And then you pray. Okay? Now, with that in mind, and we're going to sort of hit it verse by verse, but watch right here. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were all burning. Now, I'm going to be doing this each time. I'm going to hit a verse. Just, and it's got to be, I need quick answers on this, sorry. I'm not trying to hurry anybody, but I just want to get a flow. Tell me how fire can be love. Okay, what else? It purifies. What else? The Holy Spirit is fire. That's awesome. What else? Passion, fire. Love that. What else? How can this fire, th- you know, in this context, how's this fire, you know, what's it expressing? Okay. Yeah. Now, that comes in just like Watch this. Just watch my process. And, again, I'm trying to be transparent, vulnerable, kind of watch it. You're going to say, I don't get that out of it at all, but let's hope, okay? So, with that said, now watch. Okay. I read that, and the first thing that I do is I say to myself, I want to go back and understand what led to that comment. So, the first thing I do back, and two weeks ago I realized, oh my gosh, Jesus said one of the most important things that he'll ever say in his entire life, and it was all part of this speech that ends right now. In chapter 13, he'll move on. But right now, what he's doing is he said something earlier, and here's what he said one of the most important things he ever says Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of people that don't believe, that don't have God, that don't trust Him, that don't know He's the one that owns the cattle and a cattle on thousand meals, that don't understand my provision for you. That's what consumes people. What am I going to eat? What am I, I going to do? How am I going to pleasure myself? How am I going to c- clothe myself? How am I going to, right, the whole thing. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your heavenly Father knows your needs. So instead of being like that, consumed with what you need and you think instead, seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Now this is NLT, and it's the one little place where I, you know, sometimes NLT will make things very readable, but it'll kind of end up missing just a little something in it. And and this is, what this is, is seek God first, His kingdom and His righteousness. This is to say, what does it take to stand right with God? What does it take to stand right, everybody in here should know right now, what does it take to stand right with God? To trust Him. If you don't trust Him, you won't be standing right with Him. You'll find some other reason to be in some other place, right? Now love is the foundation of that. You love Him, you come to know who He is, you begin to trust Him, and now you'll stand there no matter what. And what He's saying is you do that, and everything else gets added. See it? Okay. Now that's important. And then what comes next, it puts it into context. Because now he says the thing he says to the disciples when he says, if the servant thinks my master won't be back for a while, so he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. Let me paraphrase. If he begins doing his agenda because the master isn't going to come back and he thinks he can get away with it and do whatever he wants to do and surely clean up his act when the master comes back. Right? if you think that you can do that if you think that you can pursue what you want if you can think what you can pursue what what you desire knowing that it's not necessarily a good thing but hey why not what's it matter then what ends up happening is the master returns unannounced and unexpected and he ends up cutting you in and banishing you with the unfaithful us right not just those disciples He was talking to those disciples well you see what he did he said look trust me and I'll add everything or become consumed with what you think you need and how you think you can answer it. And you'll end up not with me at all. Because you're trying to save yourself. I'm the only one who can save you. You can't save yourself. You see it? Now watch. Look at this. I've come to set the world on fire and I wish it was already burning. We went to metaphor on fire. That's fine. There's a lot of richness in that. But I want to go real. This is, and it was said. Fire is the end. Fire, you know, it was water one time, and he said, the next time, got going to be fire. I'm going to burn the whole place up. I've come to set that fire. And I wish it was done. I wish it was done now. <clears throat> What's he saying there? Where's the love in that? Remember who he is. We talked about it last week. The fact that he's patient should not be an opportunity for us to go our own way for a while. The fact that he's patient is something that we, need to, that we need to understand in our heart is his love, not wanting to lose. He's putting up with things that people are doing because they have an opportunity to come. Because it's not to the end yet. But he wants it to be to the end. But just watch his heart here. Watch. Look, we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the end for us long ago. Where's his masterpiece. Look, here's why he wants fire. It's really simple. It was said in the second one. <clears> that was beautiful. By the way, that's a pastor's daughter, so that just shows you the, the benefit of being a pastor's daughter, okay? I have two, okay? But, but here's what he's saying, okay? Look at this. I have glory for you. I have so much more than you've ever begun to think or imagine. It's unbelievable. You can't even begin to comprehend the, the things that I have for you. And you're stuck in the mud, wallowing around, fighting the other dogs for the scraps. And it kills me. This is not what I made. This is not what I intend. I wish I could burn it all up right now and get on with what's to come. I wish I could get rid of this. Right? But there's this problem, and that his character and his nature is... The Lord passed in front of Moses. This is when Moses, by the way, I love this. Moses has been speaking with him face to face, and God's already said nobody gets to do that. But the more time that Moses spent speaking to God face to face, the more he realized that there was things about God that God wasn't showing him. See it? Yeah, well, I can't. (laughs) Do you get it? And then what he finally gets to is, is that he says, Show me that other stuff. And the Lord says, I can't. You'd die. But I will do this. I'll put you in the cleft of a rock, and I'll put my hand over the cleft, and I'll pass by, and I'll pull my hand at the very last. And you can see my glory. <coughs> Seeing it from behind, just for a second, Moses falls down as though dead. But watch this. As the Lord passes, he's telling Moses who he is. it. There is more to me. So let me tell you who I am, is what he's saying. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, I am that name, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faith. My love never fails. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Now, don't be fooled. In the end, I really did give you honest to goodness free will. And I really will let you exercise it. I will be enormously patient with you, that you would have every opportunity to repent. But if you refuse, in the end, do know something about Him too. And that is, I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of parents upon their children, their grandchildren. It affects the entire family. As a as a as a person, family was not Christian. And frankly, even though we had every advantage, the lack of Christianity was showing up big until God miraculously saved the entire family. And now we have this black and light. I always hate black and white. Can I say that? I always hate using that. Dark and light. But the fact of the matter is, we've got dark over here. And what he's saying is, is, I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and grandchildren. It affects everybody. Even the children of the third and fourth generations, we are now affecting, because we all became Christ's lovers, we are now affecting the generations that follow us. We're turning them into people that love God, love them from the very beginning, love him from the very beginning. It doesn't mean they don't make any mistakes. It means that they know who he is, they're following him. And you, did you ever see the study that was done with Jonathan Edwards? They took his family and then a criminal's family. And what they did is they showed Jonathan Edwards was like four presidents, several senators. And this is generations later. It was, and then it was something like, I forget, they, but they added up the economic value of Jonathan Edwards' descendants. And it was in the billions. I don't mean what they were worth on a personal net worth. I mean what they contributed to society. And then they took a criminal. And they followed history. And I think, can I, I'm going to get these numbers totally wrong, but just, it's this, something like this. It costs society like a trillion dollars because of what these kids have been taught and the way that they walked and the, the incarcerating them and the things that they'd stolen and so on. You see it? I mean, but, but here's the part that I want us to, look in all that explanation about who he is, what's the bigger part and what's the first part? It's not about the sin. Yeah, sure, that's in there too. It needs to be in there. You can't forget that. But look what it's about. Look what he starts with. The compassion, mercy, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love, faithfulness, lavishing unfailing love—a repeat to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, sin. Those who those who separate themselves from me. Isn't this incredible? All of a sudden, you that and you say, "I think I get that God's love." And then you couple with what we just looked at a second ago, which was, you're his masterpiece, and he has for you a garden, not a cruel world filled with death and sharp edges. And he grieves when we get cut up by the Jews. And he grieves when we get stuck in the mud. And he grieves when we scrap with the other dogs for the, for the pickings. You see it? He's a daddy who's going, oh my gosh. <laughs> What are you doing? I have lab. Please come over here. And so Jesus says, "I wish it was already burning." For your sakes, it's not him saying I can't wait to destroy a bunch of people. He's saying it's so painful. Last week, here's what we learned. When we look at things the way that we look at, see that they're kind of bad. But when we take ourselves out of what we think in our shoes, and we put ourselves in the shoes of God and look at our lives, we suddenly see tragedy, horror, incredible loss. Jesus is saying, this is killing me. It kills me to see what's happening to you. And I wish I could just burn it all up right now to save you from it, to spare you from it, to take you out of it. Do you see it? I don't know about you, but we're only one verse in and I got love. Suddenly I don't feel like judgment. I feel like a God who has been enormously patient and whose mercy is unfailing. So let's go to the second one quickly again. And I, I'd kind of like to do, but does anybody want to take a stab at this? I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, and I'm under a heavy burden it's accomplished. Now watch. I'm not saying, don't tell me that that refers to the cross. I get that it refers to the cross. Tell us how that's love. So go ahead. Somebody. If you suffer with him, you reign with him. If you suffer with him, you reign with him. I like that. Go ahead. But go ahead. Larry, Larry, right here. Andrew. Go ahead. I want to try and get it on the mic so people at home can hear it. Okay, we care about you and want you to get this. Go ahead, Larry.
2: Okay, so, so because of his love, he had this terrible baptism to go through and he did it because he loved us.
0: Right? That's good enough. Let's go there. Thanks, guys. I'm going to come back to it in a second. I have this terrible baptism under a heavy burden. What's he talking about? This. Right. And always remember something about this. I hope that you've come to church long enough here. And if you haven't, please stick around. Because at some point in time, you're no longer going to look at that picture and see beatings and flesh ripped. You're no longer going to see when Jesus prays and says, let this pass for me. You're no longer going to think that what Jesus was afraid of was having a a thorn crushed upon his, a crown crushed upon his head and his flesh ripped off. Now, I'd be afraid of that. I'd go to the garden and pray really hard that that didn't happen to me because that would freak me out. But do you understand something? That's not what Jesus was, when he talked about a heavy burden, all the physical was simply pointing to an even deeper problem, an even deeper pain for him. He who has been eternally one with the Father and the Spirit is going to be separated from them just as every rip on his body is from a cat of nine tails that comes around, has a little barb at the end, it comes around, and it hooks onto the flesh, and when you pull it back, it rips the flesh. Understand, every one of those rips, when we made our choices to go our own way, we ripped ourselves away from Christ whom we were bonded to, made to be in in one with, we rip ourselves away from him, and we leave a scar on him. We don't see it, but it's there. But understand, when Jesus does this, he made him who knew no sin to be sin. God is holy, holy, holy. Perfectly, purely, utterly holy. God holy, he cannot have sin in him. And so when Jesus becomes sin, in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, uh, Eli, Eli, lama, sabachtini, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that word forsaken there is ripped. See it? Jesus, who was eternally one with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, rips away in some fashion. Now, I want to I maintain the mystery of the Trinity to tell you whatever it was, he's with him again, right? Know that. But I want you to understand that, that, that when Jesus says, look, I'm under a heavy burden until it's accomplished. I'm under, there's, a, there's a thing that's happening in me, and this thing has got me. Remember that what he does is he takes Peter, John, and James, the night before he's betrayed and crucified. He takes them up to the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane and what he says is, my soul is swallowed up in sorrow to the point of death. Do you see it? And then he tells them, so wait here, don't fall asleep. Wait with me. Pray with me. I can't take it. I need help. They, of course, falls asleep. But then he goes on, going a little further, he falls face down and he prays, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Okay, how do you get to heaven? You'd be a good person. You'd be nice to people you have good thoughts about them you don't harm them you don't be a jerk right you'd be nice to people that's how you get to heaven right well if that was the case then God would have said because Jesus was God and the father certainly would have said Ah, Jesus you don't have to be the cross just be nice right just think good thoughts about people and don't be a jerk right yet not as I will but as you will there isn't another way always understand something when somebody says there's another way to heaven this is the place where you want to take him in Scripture another way if Hinduism or Islam or something else would have worked that didn't cause the cross to happen God would have said oh no you, you don't understand just become a Hindu Just go there. It's easy that way, see, and then you're nice and karma, but you get through it, it's fine. Are we tracking here? Again, a second time he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass, he's asking him a second time, if it really can't pass, then I'll drink it. Your will be done. And the fact that he has to drink it is the proof that there's only one way. But think of only one way. then that's God taking upon himself what was due you and me. And there was only one way. And that no longer is a gruesome, bloody picture that beautiful picture that could ever be. Yeah, I get it. It's from a hard rock band. It's got a sharp edge on it. But come up with a definition of love that's more rich and glorious than that. Because there isn't one. right? And it's so great that even though it's got him weighed down, he takes it. Now watch this. Do you think I've come to bring peace on the earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. Family split apart, three in favor of me, uh, two against, two in favor, or two against, three in favor. Father be divided against son, son against father, so on. Division. Okay, let's try it again. Okay, we're doing this together. I realize I've talked a little bit, so now you get into a passive mode, but reactivate, okay? Go after it. Tell me where the love is here. How's it love to divide a family from each other? It's not love. I mean, you know, my brother, my sister, my friend, they they just made a choice, and you know, I need to love them. How's How's it love to divide them? Go ahead.
2: Because he was telling them what I'm doing will bring healing between you. Without it, it will be all of these terrible consequences. I love where you
0: went with that. I think that's really nice. Go ahead, Kevin.
5: Uh, so sometimes Jesus says something that causes something, like let there be light and then there's light, or let this tree yeah. never grow fruit and then it doesn't. And sometimes Jesus says, and it's like, this is a true sentence that I'm about to say, and it's true whether or not Jesus says it or not. And so I think this is with that, where he's saying this is going to happen regardless of whether or not I tell you there's going to be division because of me and so the love is I'm telling you in advance so you're not shocked when this happens
0: oh, I love that that's better than what I got wait till you hear what I got <laughs> anybody else anybody else Joel just one more we'll just do Joel
5: so what I see when I read this passage is God saying this is the moment or I'm going to put you all in the
2: position where you're going to have to make the decision. This is the time. The decision has to be made.
5: And I'm going to light the fire. And the fire that's going to consume the earth is you all have to pick me or not pick me. That's right. You get the choice. That's right. But I'm telling you, some people aren't going to pick me. That's right. And some people are.
0: You either know that there's more, love him, trust him, enter into it, or you decide not to. And there has to come a division. Jesus did not come to the world to make your life easier in the things that you want. Jesus did not come to the world to make your life easier in the things that you want. He came to save you from what you want. That's right? Because I can tell you right now, there's several things that I still want. They were pleasurable. What I can tell you is, I make a choice to divide myself from them. It's not just division amongst families. It's division even in you. It's pulling away from that which is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. That you might walk into that which is gloriously eternal life this is what he's doing you've got to make a choice and when you make that choice there's going to be people that don't like it and that's going to cause a division is it more loving to love a person that's going over a waterfall that they can't see to their death is it more loving to be tolerant and accepting of their choices. By the way, we need to respect their choices. God gave them free will. We need to act as if they've got it, right? But it doesn't mean we have to agree with it. So is it more loving to let them, even though they end in their death, or is it more loving to do what we possibly can to keep them from doing that? And that doesn't mean, by the way, going home and telling them what a jerk they are because they don't know Christ and know what a sinner they are. Because that doesn't save anybody. It's not up to you to communicate what you want to communicate. It's up to you to communicate what's going to be effective for them. You've got to find the best possible shot. If you really love somebody, what will you do to change how you're presenting? You'll change everything, won't you? I mean, you'll do anything, wouldn't you? That person that you really love, there must be divisions among you so that you, have God's appro- so that you who have God's approval recognized. There is going to be a real consequence of this choice. And you're going to see families like mine that came to Christ by God's miraculous hand and have lived in a really incredible life ever since. Not that it didn't have some sharp edges. But anybody looking at our family over the long haul would say, well there's the difference between knowing Christ and not knowing Christ. And we had everything before and after, the way the world looks at it. But even people from the world's standpoint would look at what we have after, and they would say, man, you guys have given away everything. You've poured yourself out. You've poured yourself out for people. In your life. That's commendable. That's awesome. And that's not to pat anybody on the back. That's just to say Christ makes a real difference in a life. Now watch. Remember, the first principle was, God is love. Hermetic principle. The second one was, Everything's a flow. Now watch this. You could read this next little section and say, oh, well, he's moved on to another topic now. This is a separate topic, and you could preach this all on its own, as its own principle, and you could still do that and get away with it. It's fine. But the bottom line is, is I want you to do something else. I want you to tell me why this passage right here connects what we've been talking about. How does it connect? How is it a continuation of God trying to show you that he's love? So watch. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, when you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, here comes a shower. And you're right. When the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher. And it is. You fools. You know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times? What's he saying here? Somebody, connect the dots to us. Connect what just came to what's coming, what he's saying right now. Why does he go here? Why does the Holy Spirit Take us from that thought to the thought. What's the connect? Go ahead. Go ahead. Back here. Thanks, Adam. You get a gold. You get to talk again because you got a gold star for the first (laughs) great answer.
4: It it goes back to eternity. He says he's saying you're fooling that I'm here to speaking specifically to the Jews to save you from Rome. I'm not here for that. He says, You're foolish when you think that I'm just here for your physical comfort. It's
0: good. It's good. Who else? I love it. There's one right in front of me. Kay, we didn't get you, so we get you now.
4: You know, this is just a simple
1: picture the Lord gave me this morning early, but it sums up, I think, what you're talking about. And I saw this beautiful red heart, a big box, beautifully wrapped box. And inside were dark chocolate cream candies, which are my favorite. And the Lord's the kind of life I desire, it's pleasurable, it's tasty, it felt warm and comfy. Yeah. And the Lord says, you know, it's like um, Stephanie this morning, it never satisfies. That's huh. not what's going to satisfy. Yeah. To the side of that, he then showed me a human heart that was torn and had ulcers in it. And he said, that's true love. You have a choice. Which one are you going to choose?
0: Wow. I love it. One more. Go ahead, Kelly. Thank you. He can catch it. Just throw it on. <laughs> what?
4: Did <you> say? what? <laughs> okay. Okay,
2: all all the big, all uh, the musicians uh, saying, "Don't be throwing our mics." <laughs>
4: go
2: I'll ahead, Kelly. This quick, you know, but Give me the connect. For for me, a lot of it is you know the godly values or the earthly values. Our human nature wants to go with these worldly values, right? And Christ is talking about the godly values, and giving up ourselves to serve him. And right now we're coming into the time where the promise comes true, right? And, and there's going to be a separation between us and them. Yeah. And God's love is shown as we start walking in godly values, right? Because that's when we start walking into the blessings. You see, the people that stand on not sure if they're godly values or worldly values, you know? But as we step away from that fence and we start walking closer and closer to God, we start seeing His blessings and, and and His overflowing love flow all around us, right? And those that are on the other side of the fence, that are stuck in the world, you know, they see that and it upsets them. It, it, it it's it, it's irritating to see someone walk in God's love.
0: I, I love what you're saying. I want to uh, let me let me drive this. Let me try this for just a sec. How do we connect between what he's just said about division and fire and not coming to bring peace? How do we connect that to this verse? He turns the crowd and he says, when he's forming in the West, you know, here comes a shower. When it blows, you say, here's a scorcher. See, now watch. First of all, I do want to say something. He's turned to the crowd now. Remember, he's been talking to the disciples primarily, and the crowd's been overhearing him. But now they're overhearing him, and now here's what he's doing. I'm telling everybody, hear this. Understand something. Whether you know me or not, whether you're my disciple or not, understand something. You're really good at knowing the stuff that you care about. You're experts. Right? Do we know in great details the things that we care deeply about? By the way, there's nothing wrong with being, what? here. I'm just giving you an example. You're a wine connoisseur. And you can taste the... You can taste the blueberries. Who's ever tasted blueberries and red wine? I don't know. Somebody has, okay. But or blackberry. Blackberry and blueberry. I, okay, great. But or the or the whiff of a mint plant that was growing next to those grapes. I'm not saying it's not there, by the way. Julie actually has the best palate I've ever seen in my life. Julie can taste things that I am convinced don't exist. <laughs> okay. Except I know they do because. She's right. I mean, she's just amazing at this. But but I want you to see something here. You can become an ex there's nothing wrong with being an expert in things, right? It's fine. If you're the kind of person that God built to be curious about things and to learn a lot about them and to really understand them, that leads you to God. Everything that God made, if you'll look carefully, points you to God. So there's nothing wrong with being expert about things in the world. The problem is, is when it's your poison. You become an expert. How well do you know the stuff that's your poison? Right? What are the things that we know that we know are us? And I spend a lot of time getting really good. want to go for a picnic? You watch the weather. And when the weather, on Tuesday, you're going to a picnic on Saturday. You know that in Seattle, when it says it's going to rain on Saturday, you almost go praise God because if it said it was going to be sunny, there's no chance that you're not going to have rain. Right? Okay. If there's rain, you might get it again. But nonetheless, but you know that hey, if there's if it says it's going to rain, there's a chance it might be sunny. You get it. You become experts in the things that you care about. So the question is: There's no problem with becoming experts in the things that you care about. It's just, do you care about God? Do you care about the things that God cares about? Let me put it this way: Are you an expert? at what anything and a novice at God what about taking the passion that you had for that thing applying the same passion to the things of God you see how much we do this we have people that are absolutely experts at things and then what they do is they pay people like me to be an expert at this Do you see what we handling, what we do as a church? Because I won't be your lackey. Okay? I'm just not going to be your, your paid-for substitute for your relationship with God. That's why we're interacting right now. I want you to experience this. I want you to on your walks every morning. I want you to read a passage of Scripture that was tough and that you didn't understand. And then you go on a walk, and all of a sudden God speaks to you. And all of a sudden you go, oh, my gosh. And that makes the difference in you. And now you start going, God, he's better than daily bread. I have food to eat, which you do not know of. Right? I want to say something, and this is not to pat everybody here in the back, but I, I really believe this. I think it costs something to be here at Lake Sam. My dad, my dad loves me. And my dad said some years ago, I don't know if I could go to church where you, Pastor. Now he didn't mean it rudely. He just meant there's just a certain, it takes something to stand there under a fairly constant, I try not bearing, I try not to go too hard, but do you know that the only thing I care about is that you grow in Christ? Do you know as much as I love you, as much as I care about you, as much as I want to know all kinds of things about you, and I do, and I love it, and I love the family here, and I love everything else, do you know that the thing that gets me up in the morning is I want to do everything I can to help you find him because he's the greatest thing that I've ever known, and I've known a lot of really good things, and I want you to fall in love and to start walking with Him in everything. And We have this intimate dynamic of relationship that happens all the time, which is getting to our last point. Why can't you decide for yourselves what is right? When you're on your way to the court with your accuser, try to settle the matter before you get there. Otherwise, your accuser may drag you before the judge, who will hand you over to the officer, who will throw you in prison, and if that happens, you won't be free again until you've paid the very last penny. Now, one last one. And we're not going to do mics. But just tell me, what does that, is that just another, that's a disconnected thought, right? What if it's not? How does that thought grow out of the one that we just had? What's he saying here? Somebody just take a stab at it. Go ahead. Loud. All right, um, so going back to the weather. Sorry, I'm not very loud. Um,
6: going back to the weather. It's not even so much what they care about, but the weather, especially in that time, really affected your daily life. So you take all this time to know the things that are going to affect your daily life, how much more the things of God going to affect you. Yeah. And then when you realize, then that leads into this, like going to court, like that's sort of where God is taking us, right? We have to decide. Yeah. And that goes back to the divisions yeah. of are you for me or against me, right? Yeah. Are you choosing Jesus or not? And so God's saying, here are all of the signs.
0: This is, I'm why you need to, you. this is why you need to preach here. I've been trying to get you to do it for a long time now. This is why you need to preach here. Okay? Because you're dead on.
6: And so God's saying, like, I'm taking you to court, basically. You yeah. need to decide, are you for me or against me? Yeah. Wake up to the signs that I'm giving you.
0: We don't need anybody else. That's exactly it. And here's what God's saying. You're going before the judgment throne. Do you know that? Do you know that? In the world, you know how to get out of it. Do you understand that that's where you're headed, and are you going to do what it takes to get out of it? (laughs) Real simple. What God is saying here, we are in dire trouble. You don't know it because life is okay. We forget it. We fall into slumber we talked about last week. But the bottom line is, do you know that you're in trouble? Do we know that? And do we know who to go to to get help? Right? Do we know how to? Go to the one who can save us. Do we know what it takes to be saved from ourselves? Do we know this? God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's the song that Kevin parked on. That's the final scripture of this sermon. That's because God wanted to say something to us today. And here's what he wants to say, and I want you to do this right now with him for just a moment. I want you to just close your eyes, and I want you to think about a rough, sharp edge in your life. Somewhere where you had forgot that his love is faithful, that his love is never ending. Someone wondered, how could you have let that happen? because you don't see the through line. God, in Jesus' most magnificent name, we pick up these cups that are in front of us. Take that second cup, that bottom cup, in which is his body broken for us. And we recognize, dear Lord God, we recognize some of us for the first time some of us in new ways but we recognize God that we have forgotten that your love is unfailing that you're always working all things together we've forgotten frankly that I am is love and so we've let things steal and kill and destroy us and we've wondered where you were and we've interpreted the book that you're writing in our life and so we rebuke that and we turn from it we put our finger in here to break it to acknowledge that we've done it but we turn from it in Jesus precious name I just have to tell you that's the, that's the greatest sound I hear every week people putting their finger in there and breaking that bread Saying, I know how I broke my life. And I want. I want to be healed. Execute Jesus for saving us. In the way that only you can by doing what had to be done. You taking it upon yourself. in Jesus' name with huge thankfulness praises forevermore we thank you God that you reveal yet again in one more way the ways in which you heal us from brokenness that we don't even know we have and we determine God that anytime we hit another sharp edge in our life that we will understand that you are love and that you are letting this happen for a reason and we will find you in it that we might come to know the depths of you take together would you please now in Jesus name we lift this cup in which is the life the glorious incredible Life that we can't even imagine. The one that you give us glimmers and glimpses of, the more that we simply obey, the more that we follow, the more that we go after, the more that we orient ourselves completely and utterly to you, the more do we enter into it. Doesn't mean it's all easy. There is a cost. But all the glory is surpassing. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name we come and we take this cup today saying, That love which I do not even know, but that you have already paid, bought, purchased for, and just waiting for me, that life become my the life that I live. Take together. I love this church. I love you. I am so. I wrote a very got up very early this morning and wrote a very lengthy email to somebody about what's going on in this place. What the Lord's doing as He leads us week to week. Thank you for being part of that journey. Ushers, thank you for coming forward. I want to.